from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this Monday edition of Washington Watch. I hope you had a great weekend. Well, coming up, an 11th hour government funding agreement was reached late Saturday. Just moments ago on the House floor, we passed by overwhelming numbers the ability to keep government open for the next six weeks. That was House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, McCarthy shortly after the House voted on Saturday. Now, the vote only succeeded after efforts to advance a conservative funding bill failed and Democrats joined with Republicans in advancing a 45-day status quo spending measure. Now, Democrats took turns doing victory laps on Sunday, declaring victory over House conservatives. Yesterday, we had a victory in the continuing resolution. It was a victory for Democrats, a defeat for the MAGAs. That was, of course, uh, Nancy Pelosi. She was on CNN State of the Union. While the weekend's outcome was certainly disappointing, I disagree with that assessment. Uh, I'll let you know where I stand on that a little bit later. This Democrat-shaped stopgap spending bill has fueled the efforts of Florida Congressman Matt Gates to remove Speaker McCarthy. I do intend to file a motion to vacate against Speaker McCarthy this week. I think we need to this rip week. off the Band-Aid. I think we need to move on with new leadership that can be trustworthy. And with the legislative clock once again ticking, should removing the Speaker of the House be the focus for Republicans, or should they focus on getting the remaining appropriations bills done before this stopgap measure expires? We're going to talk with Missouri Congressman Mark Alford in just a moment. Also, some more good news in the effort to protect minors from the transgender activist. Several more state laws have gone into effect that protect children as well as the right of parents. Nebraska's version of the SAFE Act, which protects minors from experimental drugs and mutilating surgeries to address gender confusion, went into effect yesterday. Now, the Sixth Circuit last week gave the go-ahead to Kentucky's and Tennessee's SAFE Acts while they continue to be litigated. There are now 23 states, 23 states, that are protecting children from this demonic agenda. To aid parents, physicians, and policymakers, the American College of Pediatricians has launched a new resource. It is the Biological Integrity Initiative. Dr. Quentin Van Meter, a member of the Executive Committee of the American College of Pediatricians, will have more later on this edition of Washington Watch. And here's something, some good news out of California, of all places. The effort to change the Republican Party platform on life and marriage that we discussed recently here on this program was defeated over the weekend. Now, this is a big deal. We're going to get the details from Gina Gleason, executive director of Real Impact. And finally, he just won't go away. World leaders gathered for a record three high-level meetings dedicated to health issues. At the first meeting on pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response, they committed to conclude negotiations on the pandemic accord and amendments to the international health regulations by May next year. Did they? Hmm. That was WHO Director General Dr. Tedros Ghebreyesus. He's continuing to ignore the opposition to the WHO's global power grab. Now, we're going to explore this further with Jim Rogoski, a member of the Law and Activism Committee at the World Council for Health, later 
on this edition of Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com, resources there for you. Be sure and check it out. Also coming up tomorrow evening, we'll have our Community Impact Team broadcast. will be from our Faith and Freedom Chapel in Baton Rouge. If you live in the uh, Louisiana area, Mississippi, come and join us. Be a part of it tomorrow evening. If not, you can still join us online. Just text CIT to 67742. That's 67742 CIT. Our word for today comes from Romans chapter 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sakes we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul experienced all the above, yet his hope was in the fact that our temporal condition has no bearing on our eternal position. Nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from the one who died to save us. For more on our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. Well, as I mentioned on Saturday, with little time to spare before a government shutdown, both houses of Congress passed a temporary spending bill that keeps the government open until November the 17th. Now, the passage of this stopgap bill came after a more conservative bill failed to advance. This allows time for Congress to do something that Quite frankly, they haven't done a long time. In fact, it hasn't happened since the 1990s. And that is approve the 12 individual appropriations bills in a methodical and responsible way. The question is, will they or will they get embroiled in politics? Joining me now to discuss this and more, Congressman Mark Alford. He serves on the House Armed Services Committee and the House Agriculture Committee He represents the 4th Congressional District of the state of Missouri. Congressman Alford, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. Good to be with you. I know it was a long weekend. You voted for both of the continuing resolutions bills to keep the government uh, moving forward. Uh, Tell us why you considered that the best move. Well, look, Tony, we came at this uh, even last week with the viewpoint that let's get the best deal we can get. At the time, it was a, we didn't call it a continuing resolution. It was a short-term funding measure because it was not continuing the current rate of spending. We got down right. to 8% reduction in some cases uh, in that budget, 20 to 30% reductions in some programs. We also did not have any added Ukraine funding, and we were going to pay our military so important to pay our pilots of B-2 stealth bomber at Whiteman and the servicemen and women at Fort Leonard Wood in our district. We realized this was the best uh, thing that we were going to do uh, when it came out that we could not pass that. We did not have enough votes in our conference. We began looking at, the leadership did, what would be the second best option? We knew that the Senate was working on their own continuing resolution, which would have added $6 billion in Ukraine funding, which we were against until we get a clear plan to victory that's unclassified, and the president spends the money that we've already given him. So with those options on the table, the 11th hour, we ended up passing this, uh, really this resolution that uh, got us over in the hop and and, and and, put us down the field. And and Mark, I would have done the same thing. 
Uh, I think it was the, it was the smart thing to do, given everything you just described. But I want to go back to that uh, short-term spending bill that reduced overall spending by 8%. It, uh, it took several steps to secure our border, something we've been talking about quite a lot lately. I would say that's victory if we would have gotten that through. Why, did we, have, why did we have 21 Republicans vote against it? Securing our border is the most important thing that needs to be done in our nation. Tony, we are losing our nation to an invasion of illegal aliens. Even the Democrats know this now. The chaos, not just at the border, but the crisis in New York State and in Chicago and Illinois has got the Democrats' attention that this is way out of hand, that the president and the secretary of Homeland uh, Security uh, Mayorkas, they have been lying to the American people, gaslighting, deceiving, and lying to the American people. The Democrats know that, Republicans knew that, but there were five, possibly seven members who were not going to vote for anything that they perceived as a continuing resolution, even though, even though it would restore some order to our border. We know that this just is not just a winning point that we can make on securing the border. Tony, this is a win for America. If we can secure our border and restore some normalcy to the immigration policies in America. Yeah, I, look, I'm, I, I applaud the conservatives. We would not be having many of the discussions we're having if conservatives didn't hold the line and enforce open, an open process in the, in the legislature so that we're actually debating these bills, we're amending them. But, but sometimes you've got to take victory. And I think that continuing resolution would have been victory. Now, there's chatter. Uh, some Republicans uh, are talking about removing the speaker. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I think you guys have work to do. You have appropriations bills that need to get done. Tony, you're exactly right. I think it's a fool's errand. I think it's sophomore to now be talking about the man who has gotten us through, what, nine months now trying to, uh, like, hurting cats in a room. Uh, this speaker has done more than, than anyone that I've seen uh, trying to bring consensus, letting people talk, trying to get not just what's coming out of their mouth, but what's on their hearts so we can come together as a conference. I don't know anyone else who would be able to do that. People that I'm hearing that uh, some people want as the next speaker, they don't want the job. They believe in Kevin McCarthy, as do I. And so this fool's errand of trying to vacate the chair to get Kevin McCarthy out is only going to delay us from doing here from what the, the taxpayers and our constituents sent us here to do. And that's to get these 14 appropriation bills passed, to pay our bills, to fund our military, to make sure that we are solvent as a nation and get on with it. So, Congressman Alford, you, you've gotten four appropriations bills through the process, if I'm not mistaken. That means you've got eight left. You're working on two this week. Um, has there been discussion on setting a, a internal timeline of getting these done and not being November the 17th? It's got to be done well in advance of that. Yes. Consider now the Senate's going to be taken off. And by the way, the Senate hadn't done squat. They have not passed any appropriations bills. They could not get the CR of their own. But thank goodness we did not want that six billion in Ukraine funding. Uh, but, yes, there is a timeline. They have now taken this backwards starting at November uh, 15th, 17th, and worked its way backwards. We are staying here. We are working. We are not going home. We are getting this done, and we are working through the committee process to get these through the rules 
and get these on the floor so that we can have a vote for the American people. Yeah. So I am confident that we can get this done in the next 46 days now uh, to make sure that our government is funded. I do not want to do, and I've told the leadership this, I am good for one continuing resolution. Yeah. I said this a month ago. That's it. We've got to get it done. And, the American and, uh, people are tired of the way Washington operates. And I think that's the way to approach it. I, I, I did talk to the speaker yesterday, and, and I, that's my sense that they're, they're going to push forward and get these done. I, I, very quickly, we're almost out of time, but you raised this issue. I, I share concerns. The funding for Ukraine, what are you looking for there? Why are you concerned? We did an op-ed in The Hill uh, about a month ago, and I have two concerns. I did a lot of investigation on how much money we've spent. The last Congress appropriated, authorized $113 billion, $67 billion to the direct military assistance for Ukraine. The president has not spent all that money. We have $6 billion left over that could get us through January, February. That's one part of the calculation. The second part of that calculation is we need a clear, unclassified scope of what victory looks like, a definition of what victory looks like for Ukraine. We don't need a war that is going to drag on and on and on like Vietnam did. We need to make sure and we need to be able to give an answer to the American people what victory looks like. We can rally behind that. The president needs to quit slow rolling the armaments and the money to Ukraine. If you're going to do it, give them the arms and money to win this thing. Yeah. Uh, well said. Uh, I appreciate you fighting on this because I, I have some real concerns uh, that we would just give a blank check, which is seems to be what the Biden administration wants to do to, to Ukraine. Congressman, we're out of time. Always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Tony. All right, folks, stick around. On the other side of the break, more Washington Watch. I guarantee it. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific 
specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Monday. In the effort to protect minors from the uh, transgender activists, I mean, these folks are pushing this agenda hard and fast. Well, several more states have gone, uh, state laws have gone into effect that protect children as well as protect the rights of parents. And Nebraska's version of what we call the SAFE Act, which protects minors from experimental drugs and these mutilating surgeries, uh, all said to address gender confusion, went into effect yesterday. The the Sixth Circuit gave the go-ahead to Kentucky's and Tennessee's SAFE Acts while they continue to be litigated. There are now 23 states that are protecting children from this dark, destructive agenda. Now, to aid parents and physicians and policymakers, the American College of Pediatricians has launched a new resource. It's called the Biological Integrity Initiative. And I think it's great. Uh, Lots of resources on this website, something that people have been asking for. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Dr. Quentin Van Meter. He is a pediatric endocrinologist and the immediate past president and now a member of the executive committee of the American College of Pediatricians. Dr. Van Meter, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always great to see you. Always glad to be here, Tony. Now, we've seen almost every mainstream medical organization surrender, wave the white flag. Uh, to this transgender movement that ignores the biological reality and, quite frankly, even more disturbing, the harms that this does to children. Tell us about how you guys, you all are responding to this with the Biological Integrity Initiative. Well, the purpose of the website uh, is it's a project, as we said, part of the larger initiative that we have at the American College, and it is a resource we created with the help of a number of individuals who work tirelessly to put this together in a very user-friendly design so that anyone could access it. It's designed for everybody who has the skin in the game, where they have kids with gender dysphoria who are trying to decide what they would like to do or where they should go for help. 
And this is nothing about being negative. It's all about the positive nature of human beings helping each other uh, with resources that say, if you're in this position as a child, come here and click on the, the section that's designed for you that answers some questions. And we we have frequently asked questions that we sort of thought of ahead that we often hear from patients. So we put those together for the kids, for the parents, for physicians that are treating them, for school officials who are dealing with in their school environment with the kids in their classes, uh, also for legislators. And, and we have a whole spate of legal resources for uh, families and other individuals to choose from to look into options that they have for, for getting out of this incredibly painful experience for their child. So this launched last week, and I'm going to ask the obvious question, but I think people need to hear it. Why Why did you do this? Why Why have you launched this this website, which is stock full? I've looked through it. I mean, you've got a lot of resources. A lot of time has gone into this. Why are you doing it? Well, it's it's a way to get a voice out to uh, the the population of this country who have curiosity about things, also to the patients that are essentially railroaded uh, into a system of a conveyor belt of social, then medical, then surgical transition. Uh, the, the statistics are are overwhelming that if kids get into these organizations that run the gender affirmation processes or initiatives. They nearly 100% of them will proceed at least through medical transition to completion. That is blocking puberty and and uh, taking cross-sex hormones, both of which are are not good for the healthy human body. Uh, it destroys so much of what the body was intended to be, and cannot really ever create what the intention of the individual is. That is to say, become the opposite sex. And so it is just, it's very, it's very uh, cons consistent throughout and all of its scientific references. Uh, those are provided throughout all of the answers to the questions so that people can verify we are dealing here with science, not ideology. So, I mean, that really brings up a good question, Dr. Van Meter, is that you, you, you have, you point to the science here, but the other side points to the science, but there, there's something not right. I mean, there, there seems to have uh, just kind of jettisoned the normal way of doing business when it comes to this issue on the other side because they, they, they feel – I mean, I'm just going to read into this – that they, they just feel pressured and they're, they're capitulating to the forces that are pushing this. And so really science takes a back seat. Truly, really, when you look at the references chosen and repeatedly uh, used – to uh, justify their, the ideology, uh, it, it, they are extremely low quality studies that really shouldn't have seen the, the light of day in any reputable medical journals. But they, the ideologues own the editorship of these journals, uh, as as do they, the executive branches of all the professional societies, and they they have the power to just release this on the public who doesn't know any better. So right. the, our website is basically for everyone to know better to learn about the science and to come up with a, a very much more positive way to treat these kids. And we all have compassion for them. They right. truly are suffering and we have a, a really beautiful way to get them through their, their issues and, and have them come out on the other side as whole 
medically sound individual. Biologicalintegrity.org. Biologicalintegrity.org is the website. You can also go to TonyPerkins.com and find uh, a link there. Dr. Van Meter, one final question for you. It's also a site, as I take it, I mean, I, I looked at this, for, for policymakers who feel alone in this battle, for doctors. I would imagine that doctors have a real, a real they're conflicted because they know they need to do what is right. This pressure from all of these medical associations, this is a way to help them build community on solid scientific facts. Absolutely. And again, it, it, it talks about the compassionate care of these kids. We are not an organization that is anti-trans in any possible way. We are so pro the lives of these children and their welfare that we want to get to the heart of the matter and get our professional folks on, in the medical community and the legal community and the legislative bodies to understand they can come and grab these resources. They're absolutely free to use. And we hope that we'll come out with the best income outcomes for kids. Right. That's the, the slogan of the American College of Pediatricians. Help children. That's what you're there for. Yes. Dr. Van Meter, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, taking time to join us today. As always, happy to do it. Thanks, Tony. All right. Folks, check out the website. I know a lot of parents have asked questions about this, wanting to know what to do, what to think. It's all scientific-based truth, biological integrity, Org. Also, uh, Family Research Council has a new publication out. Dr. Balance uh, has a, uh, a, new, a new one, uh, The Trans Youth Phenomenon. That's out. You can find that at TonyPerkins.com as well. All right, don't go away. I'm going to tell you where I stand on this week's activities. Don't go away. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview.
Welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks for joining us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, a conservative-led stopgap spending measure, which would have reduced discretionary government spending by 8% and partially addressed the crisis on our southern border, failed by a vote of 198 to 232 on Friday, with 21 Republicans voting against it. Now, when faced with an unpopular government shutdown, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy fell back to a longer 45-day status quo funding measure. Now, here's my advice. Hold your fire. Those infamous circular firing squads, they're not the solution. First, I applaud conservatives who have and are fighting to return fiscal reality to Washington, D.C., or at, at a minimum, move us out of this fiscal twilight zone that we have entered with $33 trillion in debt and another $2 trillion in deficit spending in the current Biden, Pelosi, and Schumer budget. Also, don't dismiss the legislative drama that unfolded before the American public over the last week as dysfunction. This is actually how an open legislative process works. Had members of the House Freedom Caucus not held firm in January at the start of the 118th Congress, we would not be witnessing an open and dynamic legislative process. The process is no longer scripted in advance by a handful in a back room. In short, this often turbulent, unpredictable process has been instrumental in returning Congress to operating as it once did and should, with individual members representing their constituents having a voice in the process. Now, that said, if you're fourth and 15 on the 20-yard line, the clock is about to run out and the score is tied, you'll want to put some points on the board. A touchdown would be incredible, but you've gotten as close as possible. A field goal would be a good option. As three points, frankly, are better than none. House Republicans missed an opportunity to put points on the board by failing to approve the conservatively negotiated spending measure. Now, it wasn't perfect. It continued Biden's budget, but it cut it, addressed a critical need at our southern border, and exposed a political liability of President Biden. Now, I learned this both inside and outside the legislative process. You fight with all of your might for what is right. You never compromise principle. But you will settle for today what you can't get until tomorrow. Now, as a result, Speaker McCarthy had the no-win option of presiding over a so-called government shutdown or extending the bloated Biden-Pelosi budget that Republicans inherited it. Now, the option of allowing the government to shut down would have been pinned on Republicans. Well, not true. It would have been a sticky claim, as Republicans could not even reach an agreement with themselves, let alone President Biden and the Democrats. Speaker McCarthy made the right decision. The calls to replace the Speaker now are nonsensical and, frankly, counterproductive. I've spoken to a handful of those who might be potential replacements. No one wants the position. Why? Because they know they would have the same challenge of leading a very, very narrow majority. This is why I said Republicans should hold their fire over this unpleasant, albeit avoidable outcome. The Speaker wisely canceled the district work week 
and has members in D.C. this week working on the remaining appropriations bills. There is still there is still an opportunity to bring some fiscal and policy sanity back to the federal government, even though Joe Biden is still in the White House and Chuck Schumer is still the scare leader in the Senate. The appropriations bills that have been, frankly, inexplicably slow in making their way through the legislative process in the House are, considering the present political environment, actually very good bills. The Republican-drafted funding measures rein in spending and eliminate a good bit of the leftist ideology that has saturated the federal government under the Biden presidency. Now, the Democrats' push for a 45-day funding measure is by design. This play has been run so often that even the fake news should see it. Here's how it works. Congress goes back to business as usual. The House can name a few post offices and the Senate can approve more of President Biden's leftist nominees until a week before the next deadline, which just so happens to fall before the Thanksgiving break. At that point, we have another funding crisis. History tells us one of two things happen. A handful of appropriators will cobble together a massive omnibus spending bill in a back room and then unveil it right before Thanksgiving to their colleagues, giving them just hours to vote on a bill stuffed with leftist priorities. Or if there are some holdouts, another 30-day funding bill will be adopted, setting up the same scenario right before Christmas. The House should stay in D.C. until all of the appropriations bills are done. Send them over to the Senate with an emphatic message that there will be no irresponsible omnibus spending bill. Congress must do what it has not done since the 1990s, approve each of the 12 funding bills. It will then be up to Chuck Schumer in the Senate, which has yet to approve any of its 12 appropriations bills. Now is not the time for conservatives to pound their chest or point fingers. It is time to take the gains and the losses and move the nation toward the goal of greater fiscal and moral responsibility. And that is where I stand. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org.
Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742 and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged, be in the know, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com. All right, I mentioned this earlier in the program, but tomorrow evening we'll have a special Community Impact Team broadcast. What can your church do to to impact your local community when it comes to elections, when it comes to voter and election integrity? That's one of the issues a lot of people are concerned about. What's happening across the country on that? Um, In some states now, Churches can actually collect ballots. You know, the left's been doing this. We have early voting laws. Should should conservatives make use of these laws? We're actually going to talk about that tomorrow night. If you're uh, in the Louisiana, Mississippi area, you can join us live at our Faith and Freedom Chapel in Baton Rouge. If not, you can join us online. We already have uh, hundreds of folks already registered. Simply text CIT to 67742, 67742 CIT, or go to TonyPerkins.com to register to be a part of tomorrow night's event. Well, talking about how churches can get involved and impact the process, you got to be on the field, right? Well, the California GOP uh, 2023 fall convention took place over the weekend. Now, we talked about this a week or so ago. They were trying to change the party platform, and they wanted to remove the language protecting life. They wanted to remove the language protecting or upholding natural marriage and human sexuality. Well, guess what? Those defending those, defending those traditional values prevailed. They prevailed because they showed up. 
Joining me now to talk about this is Gina Gleason, Executive Director of Real Impact. Gina, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to see you. Glad to be with you, Tony. Thank you. All right. So tell us about the convention over the weekend. And uh, I, I know you got to be excited. Congratulations on, on a victory. Tell us what happened. Well, it's a dream come true. We expected to lose because the party leadership and all the delegates were against us. They don't believe in upholding and defending life and believe in God's design for marriage. But when we got wind of what they were doing, we got organized. We had weeks of Zoom calls and meetings and uh, different plans that we put together to defeat their move to re remove these two important values that we hold dearly. And we were victorious, so we are overjoyed. You know, sometimes it's just a matter of showing up and, and upholding truth, and you prevail. I mean, this is, a, this is a part of what the community impact teams do. This might be one thing. They recruit people to run for uh, state parties. They can run for local office. This is what Real Impact is doing. It's equipping Christians to make a difference in their community. Absolutely. We've been doing this for years, and we've learned a lot from FRC, but we also train other churches how to do that, not only across California, but across the nation. And when Christians know what is taking place in their government or in their local community, they step up, and they're starting to be really involved and make some impactful changes. So, so Gina, let me ask you, did, did the those that were trying to change the party leadership, once they heard from conservatives, they saw that there was an effort within the party to preserve these planks to the party platform. Did, did they back up? How aggressive were they in fighting to make these changes? Well, we knew that the party leadership was behind it and many of the delegates. But once we got organized, we put pressure on them. And it wasn't until the last minute that they finally realized that they were outnumbered, that the public actually knew what they were doing. And they finally signed on to a letter saying that they would support the plank from 2019 and they would defend life and marriage. So we put the pressure on them. And that's the only reason they backed down. Well, Gina, again, congratulations. Uh, job well done. Again, another example of how we can make a difference, have an impact if we just show up and we're present. So uh, appreciate all that you do. Tell Pastor Jack I said, hey. Okay. Hey, thank you. All right. Uh, Gina Gleason, Executive Director of Real Impact. It, it is. It's just a matter of showing up, speaking up, making a difference. And that's what we want to do. Uh, you know, we weighed in along with Gina uh, with the California party, uh, uh, the party uh, officials. Sometimes it's just a matter of being there. All right. So, again, great reason to join us tomorrow night for our community impact team training. Go to TonyPerkins.com to find out more. All right. I want to continue to uh, track the World Health Organization and their effort to usurp authority and power for sovereign nations. Now, this coming December 1st, less than two months away, is the deadline for leaders of the 194 member nations to reject the amendments to the international health regulations that were adopted or advanced by the 75th World Health Assembly in May of 2022. Now, these new regulations would establish a framework for unelected bureaucrats at the WHO, the World Health Organization, to assume authority of member nations under a growing list of circumstances. Now, do, do we really want to give 
the World Health Organization authority over the United States? All right, I'm going to I'm going to give you this petition number right now so that you can uh, get this and sign it before I introduce my next guest. Text who W H O to six seven seven four two six seven seven four two who, and you can sign this petition to get the United States out of this. I'm telling you, this is dangerous. Joining me now to discuss this, Jim Roguski. He is a member of the Law and Activism Committee at the World Council for Health. Jim, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always great to see you. This is bad news, and it's different than we talked about last time because it just happened this morning. So, you know, in many effects, this is this is breaking news. The working group for the amendments to the international health regulations is meeting this week. It's one of the reasons why we scheduled, you know, to have a talk today. And typically what they do is they come together on Monday morning, they talk for, you know, an hour or so, and then they disappear behind, you know, no, no live stream, no cameras, nothing. And so they actually dropped quite a bombshell this morning. They admitted that they do not think that they are going to meet the deadline of the middle of January, which is when they were obligated to uh, submit a package of um, amendments to the WHO four months in advance of the assembly that meets in May. And so that's the good news. Um, they, they don't believe they're going to meet their own deadline. But then they went on to concoct a story. And I really honestly feel that they're trying to bend the rules to the point of breaking them. They're going through a hodgepodge, a gobbledygook of legalese to try to justify their failure. And so I've published an article. It's, it's such breaking news. I, you know, we haven't even had a chance to talk about it. Um, there's all the information is documented because they did record this section of the meeting. Normally, these meetings are exceedingly boring. Um, but boy, did I get a wake up call this morning with you know, essentially good news that requires us to speak up and demand that they accept their failure. If they believe they're not going to meet the deadlines, we cannot allow them to attempt to fudge or change or bend the rules to the point where, you know, they they get away with doing something that, you know, the rules say they're not allowed to do. Well, that doesn't seem to have stopped them before. They seem to uh, to, to push the boundaries of uh, the, the rules of the WHO and of the World Health or I mean, of the uh, the UN in particular. I, I, I want to step back for just a moment because there's multiple initiatives that are underway uh, that, you know, it. it I think this is by design confusing so that they can just do all this under this uh, this cloud of confusion. All right. Very quickly, just kind of lay out the various tracks that are moving forward that would give the WHO more power uh, as it pertains to pandemics. Well, the two main tracks are amendments to the existing international health regulations and that is exactly what I was just talking about. Right. It looks like that freight train just is about to get derailed by their own, own words. The other track that many people talk about, wrongly calling it the pandemic treaty, because what it really is is a convention, which is, again, also set to be considered in um, May of 2024. That is also you know, going off the rails because a couple of weeks ago, they announced that they were scrapping 
their fourth version of the document. They've had four so far. And the fifth one is scheduled to be circulated quietly in mid-October and then may be made public at the end of October. But essentially, they're arguing amongst themselves, and they said, hey, let's go back to the drawing board and start all over again from scratch. There are two smaller tracks. One of them was the United Nations document that we talked about before, right. or their declaration, that 11 nations said no. And so that put a wrench in their works. And the fourth track is the one that is maybe the highest priority in the sense of a deadline. They did adopt amendments last year, and I've put a um, call out, you know, a, uh, an open letter to every world leader. Um, look at what is in those amendments. They all have the authority under Article 61 of the IHR to just write a letter to the WHO and say, no, we, we reject those amendments for our nation. Now, none of this is all going to just happen by itself. But, you know, if you know what it is you want and you pray to God for what it is you want and you do the work that you're directed to do, right. um, miracles happen. And so it, I'm it, very, very optimistic with this news this morning. Let, let me play a clip from Friday of the director general of WHO, Dr. Tedros Ghebreyesus, and, and, and I want you to interpret for me what he's talking about. Play clip six. World leaders gathered for a record three high-level meetings dedicated to health issues. At the first meeting on pandemic prevention, preparedness and response, they committed to conclude negotiations on the pandemic accord and amendments to the international health regulations by May next year. Is he being completely honest? Um, in what he said, yes, but I'll add the things that they don't say, right? On Sunday, uh, September 17th, just before his record three high-level meetings, which were not official meetings of the General Assembly, those 11 nations said, we don't appreciate you pretending that this is fully official. And so they put a wrench in the gears in, in regards to that statement. And as I just reported what they said today, um, at the working group for the amendments to the international health regulations, while he may say and nations leaders may say that they're behind these negotiations, these negotiations are not about to reach their goal. They're failing. So it's a lot of propaganda that, you know, when you dig in and you actually get the facts, they can speak a partial truth. And that's one of the ways that they, you know, successfully right. attempt to lie. They don't tell you the whole truth. So, Jim, before we talk about how we can help push these things off the track, help them derail completely, I, I want to go a little bit further in the type of power that this would grant to the WHO, because this, as I understand it, is unprecedented in the amount of power and authority that would reside in the WHO. Is, am, am I correct in that? If you look to the documents that were submitted more than a year ago, the amendments to the IHR were submitted on September 30th, 2022. Now, if you look to that version, some of the things are absolutely absurd. The biggest concern that I have is the Global Digital Health Certification Network, where they want to track and trace everybody with, you know, it's essentially a vaccine passport. Right. There are many more wildly ridiculous and egregious things 
like turning recommendations into obligations so that the director general would effectively be the dictator general. And the Indian um, delegation proposed crossing out language in the existing regulations, which currently say that the regulations should be um, implemented with full respect for the dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms of people. And astonishingly, they suggested crossing that out. I suspect, but I don't know, that those things are crossed out and they're not currently in the documents being negotiated. But the big issue is we don't know what those current documents are because they're they're keeping them totally secret. And that is really all anybody needs to know. Things that are done in secret are, are generally not you know, considered to be good. What is it that they're trying to hide? Right. Well, and, and Jim, they've showed at least showed their hand in part that is this is a power grab. And so this is this is dangerous. It could usurp the authority of individual states, including the United States. So very quickly, before we run out of time here, give us some action steps. What, what, what do people need to be doing to make sure this train stops? Well, you know, as always, just share this video. You know, you're watching this. This is breaking news. 99.99999% of people on the planet have no idea that this happened this morning. So step number one is to recognize that um, awareness is the start of everything. If you're not aware of something, you're not going to do anything about it. If you go to stoptheamendments.com, stoptheamendments.com, you can you know see all of the detailed information about what they're trying to do. But it really starts with spreading the word. We, all of us, have the ability to be the media. You know, yeah. we, we have this little presentation that you can see. But if you keep it a secret, you're being a censor. Right. So right. spread this far and wide. Spread the all good right. news. Jim Roguski, we're out of time, but always love talking with you. And we're going to continue to track this. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And folks, weigh in with our Congress Tell them to get the United States out of WHO. Text WHO to 67742. That's WHO to 67742. All right, we're out of time. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says that you've done everything you can do when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand. By all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.